Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Biz How To. Welcome to the breakfast show. In the world of entrepreneurship, the pursuit of success and financial independence is a common driving force. But here's the question that often arises what's the end game? Is the ultimate goal to build a business and sell it for millions or keep it running forever? Well, the path to achieving this ambitious endeavor varies greatly among entrepreneurs. Some start with the clear intention of building a business to sell, but others may stumble upon this grand exit plan along the way. Our guest today experienced one of those remarkable journeys. In 2017, he successfully sold his first tech company for $30 million, 17 years after starting it during his polytechnic days. So he initially set out to build it with the intention to sell it eventually. And what are the critical factors that play into this decision? Let's welcome Alvin Poe. He is the CEO of Superscaling and chairman of CLDY. Good morning, Alvin. Good morning. Hey, great having you on. So I think I want to get things started with that bit of a walk through memory lane. How did you start your entrepreneurship journey? What were the early days like? How did you get into the business world, Alvin? Wow, that's a really long time ago. Um, but I remember my early days being just like any other kid. Um, I don't come from a well-to-do family. My, my family was very middle-class even a bit lower uh, because money wasn't something that was very easy to come by. Um, my mom was a clinical assistant and my dad was between jobs at that time. Um, so it was really tough growing up. If I you know, wanted to buy anything, anything outside of school, like uh, you know, a comic book or video game, um, I would have to find the money to do that mm. myself. And I'll be forced to either consider a, a part-time job at that point in time or start a business. And, you know, I was looking at the flexibility of it and it seemed to make more sense if I could just do freelance work. And it was a long story, but eventually I found, um, you know, website designing as a skill that I could, I could use to, you know, make, make, make that, kind of part, that, that kind of freelance income. That was actually the genesis of uh, my business at a point in time, Vodian. Vodian was initially a web design business. And that, that was how I got started. When I went to Poly at the age of uh, 17, I remember walking into Poly not knowing anybody and sitting down beside this guy. He would be my first friend in mm. the Polytechnic and eventually became my business founder because we, we hit it off. We could work well together in school. And this carried on to kind of like business when um, the school holidays came. And from there, Vodian started off as a, a web design company and eventually pivoted to become a, a web hosting company. And we started growing the business from there. Okay, so sounds like your personal motivations and circumstances was what led you down this path to become an entrepreneur. Uh, so how was the early days like? What sort of challenges you face in you know, building this first tech company that you eventually sold? Oh, everything. Uh, we were student entrepreneurs and he... He was coming from a very similar background as I did, and um, money wasn't something that came very easily. So we were faced with the trouble of the problem of growing and building a business with very very little capital. We actually started the business with almost zero dollars. 
we had to come up with money to pay for the incorporation fees and, and bank account and, and all that. Um, but the thing that was beneficial was we were a service-based company. Mm. And with a service-based company, you don't have to put in uh, time, money into developing a product or buying a product to sell. So that was a good thing. We were essentially trading our knowledge, our time for money. And that was the web design business that we were in. So that was a great thing because a service-based business like that allowed us to start with very, very little capital and gave us the first initial funds needed when the, when the profits came in, when the projects came in. Uh, that allowed us to actually use that capital to pivot into the product-based business that was essentially web hosting and buy our first few servers from there. So, yeah. Yeah, it's quite an impressive journey, Alvin. So looking back, was there a North Star for you, like a big vision, a big goal that you're working towards? Like, I want to sell this or make this into an IPO down the road. Or did you just, you know, um, just take things one at a time? <laughs> yeah, definitely take things one at a time. There was no way at all that we, we even saw that, you know, we could have sold the business for $30 million back then when we were students. Man, the only thing that we thought of that were that was on our minds was to really just survive. Like that was that was it. The the money that came in was literally like pocket money for us as 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 kids. Mm. Uh, we wanted to survive the next month. We wanted to make sure that we could get uh, more clients, more projects, and and that was our, our mentality back then. And you know, the business grew. Uh, we went through school and I remember it was the final years of university and, you know, my co-founder and I, we were just looking at a business and at a point of time, it was just making maybe a thousand over dollars, two thousand dollars a month. And we were faced with the, the problem of, you know, should we grow the business even more mm. uh, or should we just graduate and go get a nice job because, you know, you get paid probably at that point of time, about $3,000 as a graduate uh, with a degree. And that was the benchmark that we had. So we were looking at it and that was, a, that was the problem in our minds, or the question in our minds. And we, I remember we, we were just telling ourselves, you know, we've really come so far, we might as well just spend the next one or two years committed to the business, grow it full time, give it all we've got and, you know, see where that goes. Yeah. And yeah, and we, we did that. Thankfully enough, yeah, and grew the business to where it got to. Yeah, well done because in 2017, you did sell it for $30 million. We are in conversation with Alvin Poe, the CEO of Super Scaling and Chairman of CLDY. Uh, Alvin, I think a lot of um, business folks will be curious. You know, how do you decide when is the right time to cash out? You know, what is the right price? You know, how did all these things come together? What was on your mind when you decided to sell? Wow. So that's the stuff that I coach my entrepreneurial clients these days. That's what I do at Super Scaling. That's the thing that we might not know as entrepreneurs. When we first start businesses, we don't even know if we can survive the next month. And we are firmly in uh, what I call the launch phase of business. And we've just got to find product market fit. We've just got to see if we can get traction with the product or service that our business has. So there's no way we are looking at a sale at a point of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, only when things start to make sense and click and work, then we go into growth stage. And that's when we're really spending efforts, tying everything in the business together, the operations, the functions of the different functions of the business, uh, making sure that it all connects. Finally, then we can go to scale and make sure that everything is 
going smooth. We've got processes, systems supporting a you know a well-run team, and that truly transforms the business into something that's a proper organization. So selling a business is something that I think people should go towards because a sellable business gives you the option. You don't have to sell it. Uh. But I believe that as entrepreneurs, one of the reasons why we create businesses is so that we have freedom, or at least that's what I wanted. I wanted the ability to have, number one, financial freedom, number two, time freedom to do the things that I want to do on my own time, number three, location freedom, so that I can be wherever I want and not just you know, have to go to the office every single day. And number four, I want to have mind space freedom too. I think one of the things that I really like back then and even now uh, was the ability to just travel, you know, whether it's to visit friends overseas or just take a, a vacation uh, or maybe just have a change of scenery. And that was something that I couldn't do back when the business was first starting. I always had the business on mind. Even when I was traveling, I remember carrying my laptop and phone everywhere and I had to like answer phone calls either from my team or from the clients uh, all the time. And, and that wasn't something that uh, I really enjoyed. So in order to do that, the business must be sellable. The business must have the systems, the processes um, in order for it uh, to be a, a systemized business. And that's something that I think all businesses or business owners need to take a look at and to really implement um, in the organizations. Yeah, Alvin, how, much, how important is it for you to, or at least a company to move towards being able to run without its founder? Because for many startups, the founder is the face of the company and they become the brand of the company as well. So there is a lot of equity behind the name and the founder being in the company when you sell it. So how should people balance this? Uh, it's absolutely fine. Being a, the personal brand, being the personality behind the business. We see lots of businesses that have this and, and, and still succeed and still scale. Tony Robbins, for example, like world-famous motivational speaker, uh, he runs and is the face of his, his business. But he's not the only guy in the business. He has an army running the organization. And that's the thing that people don't see. Um, they feel that as, as the brand of the business, they have to do everything. But that's not the case. And that's why systems, processes, people are so important. You need to make sure that these things are in place. Mm. Um, and that was one of, the, one of the factors that led to Vodian's acquisition. And one of the factors that um, my co-founder and I are, are supremely proud of uh, was the fact that we grew a business. We were very responsible to not just our customers, but our team as well, and made sure that the systems were in place even before the acquisition was happening. Because you know, that freedom that we wanted was something that was crucial. And so we knew that when we were growing a business and running a business, uh, we didn't want to be the bottlenecks. We didn't want mm. to be the people that, you know, the whole business relied on, that, you know, all decisions came to, that, that you know, if you know, the buck stops with us, we, we didn't want that. And so systems was a huge priority, even before the acquisition happened, uh, which was a great thing because, when we did decide to sell, uh, we didn't even have an earnout, which was something that was un un unheard of because the business was so well run. The acquirer, when they looked at our business, they knew that if they acquired us, they didn't even need my co-founder and I around. They could just take over because everything was systemized. Everything was, there were processes in place. There were SOPs. There were the right people. There were clearly defined functions. 
So that was something that I think was was crucial. And that's why I believe business owners should focus on in creating a sellable business. It really gives them that option. Yeah, Alvin, I want to get into the numbers as well, right? Someone who might be facing the decision to sell, how do they come up with the number that's the right price? How do you decide, you know, how many years of profits you should be pricing in? How does one calculate it? Um, that's, that's actually an art. <laughs> It's not a science, it's an art. And at the end of the day, an acquisition is a transaction and it's, it's something that's between the buyer and the seller and it has to be a price that make, makes sense for both of them. And the thing is, you know, as a seller, you always want the highest price and as a buyer, you always want the lowest price. But the key is knowing, you know, as a seller, knowing whether you can actually command that price that you want. And I think there are a lot of factors that go into this. Um, and you have to see whether you're like, number one, where are you in the market? Are you the market leader in your industry? Or are you just one of many competitors and there's no clear differentiation, there's no clear advantage uh, to your business? Number two, you know, do you have any intellectual property? Do you have like systems that you have in your business? Uh, and when, when I mean systems, I don't just mean like software systems. I mean is there a way that you have to run the business? Is there a way that you handle every any 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 um, you know operationally common function like customer service, sales, marketing? Is there a system behind all of that? Because when a acquirer acquires a company, they acquire that as well, mm. right? So um, that is also something that is appealing to to uh, to an acquirer. Uh, they're also looking at talents. You know, is there strong talent within the company. And that comes a lot from the brand equity, the brand position that the, the business has also. Is it a strong brand? Uh, is there a strong culture? And by culture, I don't just mean welfare, where people get like free beer and ping pong tables. <laughs> is there a strong culture that encourages good work? Is there a culture that empowers people, uh, that really creates an environment where people don't just go there for a paycheck, but there's a you know, environment for them to thrive in as professionals. And, you know, a combination of these factors creates that value that, that a buyer will be seeking. And with that, uh, with the higher value that you, you create, that's where you can command the higher price. I remember when the acquisition of Bodian was happening, um, the acquirer actually came in and in acquisitions, they always use a multiplier. Mm -hmm. uh, a multiplier is basically a number that they use say, on your uh, annual profit. And that's how they value your company. And they came in at a really low uh, multiplier. And, you know, they said they were interested to acquire the business. And I remember just laughing at them, uh, like genuinely laughing because it was, it was such a ridiculous number. It was, it was a ridiculously low number. And we were confident in that because we knew that we had a position. We were the market leader in Singapore. We had all these systems and processes in place. Uh, the business was operationally, like, didn't require the founders at all. There was a very strong customer renewal rate. Mm -hmm. And with all these metrics, it gave us the confidence to command a much, much, much higher multiplier. And so that was the price that we actually counted to the acquirer. And they took a while to consider it, but then came back. And then they were like, yeah, you know what? That absolutely made sense. And yeah, the deal went through after that. So that's how powerful it is to know these, the position of your, your company, to know all these functions, metrics, the value that you have 
in your business um, in order to make sure that you can actually command the price mm. that you want. Yeah, so it's important to know how much you're worth as you go on this journey to scale up your business. We've been chatting with Alvin Poe. He's the CEO of Superscaling and Chairman of CLDY. Alvin, it's been great chatting with you this morning. Thank you so much. Really good talking with you guys too. To listen to the full interview, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.